0: Broadcasting live from the RNR Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, it's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 9:20 a.m. It is a Thursday. You are in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday, and we are talking optimism. Sometimes it's okay to be optimistic. I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this Raiders team. Even in areas that maybe there's a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of concern. Uh, but if you, if you peel the onion just a little bit more, you might actually see... That there really truly is room for optimism. But in an overall picture about the Raiders, there, there there should be optimism about this team. There should be a lot of positivity going into this season. And we're going to talk about it uh, in just a second. Uh, but before we get to all that, and of course we're going to take your call 702-365-9200. Uh, 4.30, we're going to bring in Patrick Everson uh, from Props.com. He's going to talk about all the fun stuff that's going on uh, in sports right now uh, and all the side stuff that usually happens when big sporting events are going down, whether it's the NHL or the NBA playoffs. Plus... Uh, There's always prop bets and things like that and futures bets and all that type of stuff with the NFL looming, so we're going to get into all that uh, with Patrick uh, from Props.com at 4.30. And then at 5.30, special guest, uh, Lorenzo Lerma, he is the founder of the Raiders Crusaders Fan Club, uh, and they are putting on their annual Summer Fest, Summer Kickoff Fest, uh, this weekend up in Bakersfield, and it's going to feature... This year, Hunter Renfro, Foster Moreau, and Denzel Perryman. And, oh, by the way, yours truly, I will be out there uh, at the uh, Park in Bakersfield. We're going to get all those details. We're going to talk to Lorenzo about it. They do this every single year. I think there might have been a... Uh, because of COVID, uh, they may not have been able to do it a couple of years ago. But this is something that they do every year. Derek Carr has been out there. A bunch of great players have been out there. Max Crosby has has been a featured guest. So that's happening Saturday uh, in Bakersfield. I can't wait to get out there uh, and and hang with all the, the Raider fans and talk Raider football. Uh, but we'll bring in Lorenzo in uh, at 5.30 to talk all about it. And we're talking today about optimism, maybe even about the offensive line. I want to get into that. Uh, uh, in just a little bit, done a lot of digging about the offensive line. And I really truly think uh, that there's reasons to think that that group is headed in the right direction, even in areas where you might have a little bit of concern. But from Peter's perspective, don't take my word for it, Remember K.J. Wright, who was here last year with the Raiders as a linebacker? Uh, He was the guy that said, hey, look, we're not going home in January, in the first week of January. I'm going to almost guarantee that. And he sent that message throughout the locker room, and sure enough, The Raiders didn't go home the first or second week uh, of January. They made it to the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years, in a few years, and only the second time in 19 years, and I think really and truly set the foundation or created a foundation uh, for the future success that is, uh, to me, imminent. Here's K.J. Wright talking about the Raiders today.
1: They're not, and when I look Oof. at when I look at the offseason they put together, I, I didn't like it. Look at leave, letting Tyreek Hill leave that building is going to take some time to overcome. You cannot just let him leave the building expect to still be number one in that division. Who's number one? Going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. That's why I have his number one. And when you look at the offseason they put mm-hmm. together, bringing in Josh McDaniels, he is the quarterback guru. He has the blueprint to getting guys to the Super Bowl. And when you pair him with Derek Carr, you bring Derek Carr's favorite weapon in and Devontae Adams. I cannot wait to see those guys go to work this year. And then on the defensive side, we haven't even got to defense, bringing the best, in my opinion, pass rusher and Chandler Jones, pairing him with Max Crosby. It is going to be a fun time to watch. And so the Raiders are number one in this division. They're
0: Come on Cotton. Uh, you know, sometimes getting up to my age, I got to get my ears checked. What did, what did KJ Wright, where did KJ Wright have the Raiders in the AFC West in that clip? The best. Number one. Number one. And he was making a good point, I thought, too. About the Kansas City Chiefs, look, they're not a team that anybody needs to be sleeping on, less, at least of all the, the the Raiders, of course. Anytime you walk on the field with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and some of the defensive players that they have, and Andy Reid over on the sidelines, um, it's it you better bring your A game. Uh, it's a team and an organization that always gets your attention, and rightfully so. But as KJ Wright, you know, I thought rightfully pointed out, to assume. Assume, uh, Demon, that Kansas City is just going to continue to roll along as the best team in the division without Tyreek Hill. I, I, I don't see it, and and I'll also back it up one year to last season, Demon. Um, it wasn't like they were like lights, lights, lights out, even with Tyreek Hill on the field last year. To me. The Chiefs showed some vulnerability. I know that's hard to say and for Raider Nation to kind of stomach considering the butt whoopings that happen uh, at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs with the with the Raiders, but that's beside the point from an overall perspective. They weren't the untouchables that they had been, I don't think, uh, Demon last year. I thought they showed uh, a little bit of, huh, it, 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 they may be taking a little bit of a step backwards, and that was with Tyreek Hill on the field.
1: Yeah, I feel like people always say that. It's, oh, they, ticked, they took a step back. Right. But Patrick Mahomes still threw 37 touchdowns. No doubt. Still close to 5,000 yards no passing. Doubt. Or I don't think that, and they weren't 12 and 5. So when people always say it, when you set the bar so high for yourself as a team, as the Kansas City Chiefs have since this Patrick Mahomes run started. Yes. That people just think that, hey, if you're not at the best of the best, he he's still off. But his fell-off season is still a really good season. But
0: I, it's not so much him. I just felt like, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe he had a different perception. I just didn't feel like they, as collective, the Kansas City Chiefs, looked untouched. He had to, obviously, play lights out sometimes just to get some wins, some of those wins for the Chiefs. It's it's not Patrick Mahomes. He's tremendous. Um, but I just felt like collectively with that team, there were some uh, some concerns, some areas. They just didn't look right, at least consistently. And I felt like, um, you know, they needed to sort of rally at the end. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, you saw what happened, um, you know, in, in the playoffs and whatnot. But again, I just don't think that... They were the untouchables that they had been. And when we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, that was the level that they were playing at where good luck beating them. I don't think that they were that unbeatable last year. And I think that this year without Tyreek, it just gets them or or brings them a little bit closer to the pack.
1: I just – I understand what you're saying. It it makes sense. Tyreek killed last year over 100 receptions, you know, nine touchdowns. I see where people say – And the impact that he has. Yeah, it's going to be hard to – like to get that that production, I understand that it's not just going to be plug and play. No matter who they draft right. or who they got in the draft, but I still think that people are sleeping on Kansas City a little bit. To me, are they the
0: best team in the AFC West?
1: In my eyes, yes, they are. They until still further are. notice type yes. of thing until you get knocked until they get knocked off. Right. That I think people are saying like, oh, trying to annoy KJ. Right. You know, hey, all the points that he pointed out for why the Raiders. Are going to be the best team in the AFC right. West. Those are still very valid, good, all good points. Right. You know, the addition of Chandler zones, him being paired up with Max, Devonte Adams, Derek Carr has never had a weapon like this on the outside. All good points. Right. But I still think that Kansas City, until further notice, if they come out then and, l- and lose the first five games, we'll say, hey, yeah, Kansas City doesn't have more. Right. But until we see that, I've got to go on the assumption that Kansas City is the best team and in the division. I'm good with that. Where I where I do where my
0: Ears do perk up a little bit is when a defensive guy like K.J. Wright, who's literally – I mean, he was out on the field last year. It's not like this guy was, you know, eight steps removed – from the NFL. He was in the thick of things last year in this division, on this Raiders team, facing the Kansas City Chiefs, knowing full well, as a defensive player, how much you have to account for a Tyree Kill and what that means in terms of attention that you pay to other parts of uh, the Chiefs' offense. So he knows. I mean, he's been in game plan uh, meetings and in film rooms and out on the field as, they're, as you're designing a defense to contend with the Kansas City Chiefs with Tyree Kill. I think I think a guy like K.J. Wright knows better than anyone, like, the difference of a guy like Tyreek Hill being out on the field and having to account for him and not. And so that's why when, when K.J. says that, I'm like, huh, okay, I, you know, it's it's obviously for anybody that knows any level of football – the Kansas City Chiefs not having Tyreek Hill is going to hurt them a little bit, but I guess the question is to what degree. And at least in KJ's eyes, it's going to take somebody to come along and really replace what they, or or for them to figure it out in a different way, but still be able to maintain that maintain that same kind of level. And it sounds, it certainly sounds like KJ is a little bit dubious that that's going to happen, and for that reason and combined with what he's seen the raiders do this offseason uh bringing in devonte adams bringing in chandler jones there's been a bunch of other moves including josh mcdaniels who as i've pointed out many many times uh, in the in the um opinion of many people that i that i respect in the nfl who have always given it to me straight whether the it was good or bad they weren't there was no filter in that regard that's the great thing of being able to talk to people off the record sometimes and just say tell me what you think. I'm not going to actually write this or or if it's if it's like you know going to throw somebody under the bus, but just give me an idea of you know what you think, what you're thinking and consensus, the consensus from a lot of important or just knowledgeable NFL people is that Josh McDaniels is an offensive game changer in the role that he plays as a offensive coordinator, and as a play caller. And I think that's an edge that the Raiders are going to be able to count and lean on, on top of the fact that the talent got better with Devontae Adams. And if they stay healthy with Darren Waller, you know, playing a full season, those two playing off of each other with uh, Hunter Renfro Renfro now going into his third year, some of the additions that they've made at wide receiver, a a couple of which I think are pretty sneaky good, uh, uh, you know, and, and Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake and everyone else that they have in the backfield, perhaps that part of the game getting better. I think this offense has a chance to be special, but for it to be special, and I and and this can't be understated, for it to be special, the offensive line absolutely without question needs to be better. Uh, the offensive line last year was it was a workaround situation. The Raiders had to figure out different ways to do things knowing full well that their offensive line just wasn't where it needed to be. That's where coaching comes into play. I think it was obvious to the naked eye, to anyone, again, who knows any level of football, that there were struggles going on on the offensive line. I wrote an article about this. Uh, that's going to be published in Vegas Nation. I think tomorrow is when it gets published. It's going to run in the paper uh, on Saturday. You could just go to uh, VegasNation.com, download that app, or go to Vegas Nation uh, on the uh, on the website or on the uh, internet and, and be able to call it up. But but as I was talking to a bunch of people uh, these last couple of days and taking a look at things along the offensive line, uh, I'm starting to, to to really get this feeling like there's reason. For Raider Nation to not be as to not have as much trepidation about the offensive line uh, as 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 maybe they do. And I know the reasons why, and they're valid, no question about it. The last image that we have of this offensive line was last year, and frankly, it struggled. There were some flashes of uh, some solid play, moments of some solid play, individually and collectively. but by and large. If we're being honest, it was a struggle to consistently produce or get the kind of offensive run game push that you need on the offensive line to create a consistent run game. And there were far too many um, op- or moments when Derek Carr was throwing and playing and operating under pressure, all of which has to do with what was going on on the offensive line. You know, as we talked about yesterday, and as I wrote about this uh, in, in in the Review Journal today, you know, okay, if you go back to last off season, the Raiders took a gal- made a uh, a calculated gamble, and it was right square in the middle of the offensive line. It was the biggest gamble that they took in March of twenty twenty one, was trading away some veteran pieces on the offensive line. In order to free up cash to address some other needs, we all know the names. They traded Rodney Hudson, a stalwart at center. They traded Gabe Jackson, uh, an anchor at uh, at guard. They also traded Trent Brown, even though he only played half of the games that he was, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the roster to play over his two years, three years with the with the Raiders. Even though he he it was only he gave them only half of what they expected. he was still somebody that, you know, when he was out on the field, he provided a pretty darn high level of play at right tackle. So, just to reiterate, the Raiders lost their center or traded their center, their right tackle uh, and 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 one of their starting guards in March of twenty twenty one. So, Doing that, knowing that, and I know talking to the people at the time that were making those decisions, yes, it's a gamble. Yes, there's a learning curve that's going to result. But A, need to find some money to go help that defense, which was really uh, a a problem in 2019 and 2020, A. And B, all right, um, there's still a plan in place. They felt like Andre James, who a converted tackle from UCLA, who had been in the program for a couple of years, making the transition to NFL center. He was sort of in the lab for a couple of years, working it, working it, working it. They felt like he was ready to become an NFL center. Andre James, first year starting at center. Understanding, of course, that there was going to be some growing pains at center. All right. They obviously went out and drafted uh, Alex Leatherwood to be the right tackle. So that was the plan, that Alex Leatherwood was going to play right tackle in replace of Trent Brown. Andre James was going to take over uh, for um, uh, Rodney Hudson at center. And then the two guard positions, one of which was held by Gabe Jackson for all those years, the two guard positions were going to go to Richie Incognito, the veteran, and Denzel Good, who, if you remembered – the year before, had a a breakthrough season as a um, kind of a swing tackle, played a lot of guard because there were injuries uh, at guard, i.e. (laughs) Richie Incognito. So Denzel Good, who had played very well in 2020, the Raiders believed, okay, between Richie Incognito and Denzel Good as the veteran guards, in between Andre James and uh, Alex Leatherwood to the right, and in between – Colton Miller and uh, or, or Andre Miller and Colton Miller uh, to the left, that they were going to, in time. That offensive line was going to come along in a way that it needed to come along. That was the plan. A learning curve was was imminent, and they were going to have to to work through some of the growing pains on some young players. But they felt like it, it'll happen, especially with with two veterans uh, flanking the the two youngest members of this offensive line. Again, and we've talked about this, that plan never came to fruition. Call it an overly ambitious plan or gamble with Richie Incognito because he didn't stay healthy. He didn't even get out of training camp before he got hurt. And we never saw Richie Incognito again. There goes your left tackle on a practice field in Thousand Oaks, California against the Rams in early August. Boom. There goes the left tackle. John Simpson... A mid-round, a fourth-round draft pick in 2020 now becomes the starting left tackle in his first year as a starter. All of a sudden, Andre James, who thought he was going to be playing, who, who thought that Rinchi Incognito, one of the cagiest, savviest veterans uh, around, was going to be you know, flanked to his left, Right in the middle of, uh, of of Andre and Colton Miller, all of a sudden it, it goes from Richie Incognito to John Simpson. All right, not the greatest situation, but it is what it is. At the very least, you still have Denzel Good in between Andre and uh, Alex Leatherwood. Until, of course, the first half of the first game of the season, boom, Denzel Good goes down uh, with a, a, a season ending knee injury, and all of a sudden, the anchor that you were expecting to be at right guard alongside Alex Leatherwood and Andre James, that goes out the door in Denzel Good And in his place, the Raiders are just looking around going, what the heck do we do now? We just lost both of our starting guards in the blink of an eye, two guys that they were counting on to literally be the veteran anchors of a young offensive line. That plan went out the window. So all of a sudden, that learning curve that was inevitable to begin with by trading Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson and Colton and, uh, and and Trent Brown. All of a sudden, that learning curve just got a whole lot steeper. And so here comes Jermaine Illuminar to replace Denzel Good at right guard. That didn't really last very long. It lasted three games. The Raiders did go three and zero in that time, but it was a sieve on the right side of the offensive line. And Jermaine and luminar no disrespect to him, he had literally just showed up to the scene. And it wasn't working. There was just too much new going on and youth and inexperience going on. So in order to alleviate that somewhat, the Raiders on the fly have to figure out, all right, we've got to re-figure this thing out in terms of who are the best five players to form as cohesive as an offensive line as we can possibly muster up, even though um, it wasn't going to be perfect, it wasn't even going to be very good, to be honest with you, at that point. But the plan, or the or or the uh, finally, the decision was. You take Alex Leatherwood, who did have some uh, positional flexibility, and there's no doubt he was struggling at guard in the first three years of his NFL or uh, uh, tackle, in the first three games of his NFL career. It wasn't unusual or even uh, uh, not expected or even expected that he would struggle. That was almost inevitable that that was going to happen. Offensive linemen, young offensive linemen, don't just hit the ground running, typically, uh, in the NFL. It takes a little while. Anyway, he did have positional flexibility. He had played guard in college, uh, and and the Raiders knew that you know he could still pull that off. So boom, he moves from right tackle to right guard. And Brandon Parker, who didn't have any positional flexibility outside of being able to play right guard or right tackle and left tackle, but there's no guard in his profile, becomes the right tackle, the veteran right tackle. So the, the, they, they tinkered with the right side of that offensive line in order to try to fix and plug some holes. And that was the decision John Gruden uh, made. It was that, okay, this is for now <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a roster whose depth chart was pushed to the limit basically after three games into the season. That was what they figured was going to give them the best opportunity to put the best five players on the field and on the offensive line. And that's what they rolled with. And it wasn't good. There were ugly moments. There were some positive moments. There were you know um there were, there were it, it just it, it and the and the the, the had to work around it. That changes your game plan. That changes your ability. If you know that you can't um block it up adequately enough. A lot of times those plays go right out the door. You got to figure something out, do something different. Get the ball out quicker, run to the other side or or just revamp it, change it, tweak it. Whatever you have to do to cover up a weakness. You're smiling. What's up?
1: Uh no, just the way you were like change it, twist it, plan it, twist you it, pop gotta it pull it. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's exactly what you have. That's what coaching is, you know. Um that's 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 it's like and and you know what? Coaches are the most honest people inside the building. They're the most honest people. They're like, you know, when the offensive coordinator is saying, Hey, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to do. This is what we want to do. And the offensive line coach looks at him and say, coach, that'd be great if you had an all pro offensive line right now, we're not going to be able to do that. So you're going to have to scale that baby back a little bit. And so you have to have honesty. Otherwise you're getting guys killed out there or, You're just running into brick walls or not being able to – you're not doing a good job coaching. You have to coach around it. Uh, It's the same in baseball. It's the same in basketball, whatever it is. Whatever your weaknesses are, you got to figure out a way, the best way, to work around it or mask it. Uh, But we're going to get into – that was last year. We're going to get into why I think Alex Leatherwood – you know, he's going to get a chance to win back his right uh, tackle spot. I think that's the plan. I think the Raiders want that to happen. And I, and and when you look at, at at his season last year, where he is, who he is, how he profiles, um, you know, his body type, his intelligence, his athletic ability, there's no reason. I've talked to enough people uh, to, to, to get this kind of figured out. There's no reason why he can't succeed at right tackle. Period, exclamation point. And the, uh, the frightfulness, I think, that Raider Nation feels is just because it's a little bit of unknown. Um, and we're going to get into why when we get back. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, on a Thursday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Going right out to the Raider Nation radio guest line and welcoming in a good friend of ours, Patrick Everson uh, from Props.com. He joins us to talk about all the fun stuff uh, going on uh, right now in whether it's NHL hockey playoffs, the NBA uh, playoffs, uh, the conference finals are upon us, plus... Obviously, football is looming, and we all know what the schedule is now, and so uh, and who's who's playing who and when, uh, and so you can probably have some fun uh, doing some futures and some props uh, on the NFL side of things. But to talk about all of that is Patrick Everson from Props.com. How you doing, Patrick?
2: I'm good, Vinny. How is the uh, how's
0: the RJ treating you? Hopefully, good. The RJ's great. Uh, thank you for uh, for asking. Um, and uh, so uh, everything's going well over over there and uh, on the on the written side of, of things. And you know, to start off, uh, I know that there was you know uh, I think it was last week or so before the schedule came out. Um, I think it was Station Casinos put their uh, betting odds out in terms of I the, have them in front of me. There you go. Um, so has it changed? Have the because Ra- because initially it was eight point five wins was the win total uh, for the Raiders that was prior to the schedule uh, coming out. Uh, I don't know if it's changed since then, but if so, uh, if you could tell us how it has or it hasn't, and what did what do you think about where the Raiders are right now in in their projected win total?
2: Well, it's interesting, and, and the reason I bring up the RJ, by the way, I was twenty two years there, so nice. I know all your, I know a lot of your coworkers, lots of good people there. Yes. Okay, so. What was interesting about this I thought Vinny was uh, I did a, I had a little back and forth with Chuck Esposito of Station Casinos and I thought it was really cool that even before the schedule came out they went ahead and just put all the whole regular season up for the raiders. They knew who the, all their opponents were going to be. They just didn't know where necessarily those opponents were going to be slide. So they did the whole season and uh you know all 17 games. And I thought the interesting point that Chuck made and he mentioned this when they were looking at this was a comment made after the schedule came out, but obviously well before you and I are talking today. He said the Raiders were a real difficult team to set numbers for, not only pre-schedule, but post-schedule, because they've got a win total at eight and a half, but on these games that Station Casinos put out, the Raiders were only favored in six games. So, win total eight and a half, favorites in six games. So, that's, you know, obviously a bit of a dichotomy there if you will right however however i will say what has happened over the last week or so and i'm not sure if it, you know the schedule may have a little bit to do with it but uh if i'm looking in looking at it today it appears the raiders are now favored in eight games so they're right on that their win total is eight and a half they're sitting uh you know favored in eight games and they've got a couple of other games There's one, i think there's two games on here that are pick em, so you know basically toss-ups so that seems to correlate a lot better with a win total of eight and a half. So uh, right now they're definitely seeing some, getting some local attention. The Raiders are, which I'm sure is is no surprise. They've definitely uh, got their uh, got their hooks in the community, and and the public likes to back the Raiders. Uh, I'm a Broncos fan, so I certainly <laughs> uh, don't, don't. I don't mind seeing them struggle, but you know I I do root for the city, of course.
0: Yes, of I course.
2: Did get I did get some uh, a little bit of an update this afternoon from the from the folks over at the Superbook uh, regarding where the Raiders are at right now, win total, and so forth. And uh, I'm, I'm looking that up right now. I lost track of where it's at. Okay, here it is. So based on the schedule, the Superbook didn't put out its season win totals. It waited until the schedule came out. I think there were some books that may have been ahead of that curve, just kind of knowing what the schedule is, opening the, opening the win totals early. But the Superbook was Saturday, last Saturday, so two days after the schedule came out, they were at Raiders eight and a half as well. And Casey Degman, a risk uh, supervisor, senior risk supervisor over there at the Superbook, said no adjustments based on the schedule, but they are seeing some public action. Surprise, surprise, uh, on the over. Not too big a decision either way so far, but betters are, are taking over eight and a half at this point. Uh, you know, rooting for the Raiders. They want the Raiders to come out and have a good season, go back to the playoffs.
0: No doubt about it. And somebody brought up a great uh, uh, question, and I'm going to ask you because uh, this is the world that you uh, operate in. When, you know, Las Vegas uh, looks at a team like the Raiders the way they're looking at them right now, which is right around that kind of, let's be honest, Five hundred type range, right? Sure, um, sure. When they look at that and they see um, the love that maybe the Broncos have gotten, I think last time I checked they were ten point five, and the Chargers were right around ten. I think it was somewhere along that 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 line, as were the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, for a Raiders fan, when they see that, the question that I always get from them is: Is that because of how Las Vegas feels about the quarterback Derek Carr? Or is it just the overall team? So if you could kind of separate those two uh, components in terms of how Las Vegas truly views and feels about uh, Derek Carr and uh, how Las Vegas uh, looks and views the team itself of the Raiders.
2: Right. Well, I think, I mean, it, it's it's first off, it's hard to separate the two for sure because right. win totals are going to be inextricably tied to how good your quarterback is. And Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I believe, you know, look, even as a Broncos fan, I'll admit, he's a talented, he's a talented player, and the Raiders have got some talented guys. And putting, putting Devontae Adams out wide is not going to hurt your cause, okay? It's definitely going to help your cause. But the, the thing that's a little bit tricky, there's, there's kind of two things going on at once here, especially for Las Vegas sportsbooks, like the Superbook and BetMGM locally, you know, up and down the strip, and Caesars and William Hill and so forth. You've got this. You've got a a public team. The Raiders are a public team. They draw a lot of public interest. They get public action. So that can tend to skew that number a little bit. But the other, the other part of this equation. There actually there are several parts. But another part of this equation is two. I'll I'll give you two more. One, as I said, and as you've noted, Derek Carr is a good quarterback. But Justin Herbert is a really good quarterback. Russell Wilson is a really good quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is an outstanding quarterback. It's just it, the the division is so, so tough. now, in addition, when you're trying to come up with a number, I mean these numbers aren't coming out of the clear blue blue sky as they do season win totals, they have to make sure that this all adds up to the maximum number of wins sure. that when you add up everybody's win totals that it kind of is somewhere in that neighborhood of the maximum number of games that are played and can be won. so you know if you have You know, to have the Chiefs at 10.5 or 10 or the Chargers or the Broncos or whoever, um, you know, you have to adjust the other teams in the division accordingly, the other teams in the conference accordingly. It's a real tricky puzzle. So it's not necessarily saying that the Raiders are a 500 team, but they feel like that's the the right number right now. Um, You know, things could change if there's a key injury to another team. Um, I'll give you a good example. Today with the and I know we're mixing football and basketball or baseball here, but the Scherzer news out of today. Well, Scherzer was five to one, the co-favorite to win the Cy Young. Now he's forty to one. Let's say we don't. We're not rooting anybody else to get an injury on any other team. But if something unusual happens with another team, all of a sudden the Raiders might go to nine or nine and a half wins or ten. You never know. Um, so all there's there's a real delicate balance and a whole lot of. Uh, that go into making these numbers. It doesn't necessarily mean the Raiders aren't better than a 500 team. It's just that's kind of where they fall right now.
0: We're talking to Patrick Everson uh, from Props.com. By the way, Patrick, when you were describing the math puzzle that has to be put together so that it all uh, comes out in the wash on the other end, uh, that sounded like every math teacher that I ever had walking over to my desk <laughs> and saying, Vinny, it, 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 your work just does not add up. So uh, I am fully aware <laughs> <laughs> of of the uh, the other side of that, and how you have to make it add up at the end. There's only a certain amount of games. Every, everybody right. plays the same amount of games, and so it, it has to add up for sure. Um, by the way, thanks for bringing up uh, Max Scherzer. I'm a Mets fan, uh, uh. and that was a knife to the heart because uh, although, <laughs> you know, I think the pixie dust, some sort of pixie dust, might be on the Mets. They came back and it won another be. one today. There there there's something's going on in Queens. Is all I'm saying. Um, I don't disagree. Yeah, e- exactly. Uh, all right, sticking with the AFC West, because to me it's the most fascinating division uh, in, in the NFL this year, going into this year, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs. I know that there's still a lot of love for them, and and rightfully so, and until further notice, they're the king of this hill, period, exclamation yes. point. They've got the best quarterback, I think, maybe in football, uh, in, in in Patrick Mahomes, and that goes a long way. They've got a great coach, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, on and on and on. But they did lose Tyreek Hill, and um, how do you guys account for what Tyreek Hill meant not only in the stats that he produced himself, but the impact that his presence had on the stat, uh, the stats of other players around him, including Patrick Mahomes?
2: Oh, absolutely, it's going to make a difference for Mahomes for sure. Uh, he 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 can chew up so much field so quickly. He's so fast. He's an absolute game changer. So it certainly matters. And it absolutely has impacted the odds market a little bit. Now, look, the Chiefs are still among the favorites to win the Super Bowl, but in that update, I was uh, the, the updated article I have on Props.com on Super Bowl odds, uh, which I put out uh, kind of in the wake of of uh, the draft, and then also all the information on the schedule and so forth. The Chiefs are actually at had actually dropped to twelve to one at the, which is not long, but that's not that's not territory that Kansas city has been operating in most of the last few years. Now they had that stretch of, uh, of games where things got a little sticky. Um, but generally they're under 10 to one. And in some cases they're closer to five to one. Well, right now they're 12 to one. And that is that that's uh, it, those odds reflect Kansas city's position, or at least a view of odds makers with Kansas City's position in light of what's gone on over the last couple of weeks. So there's no doubt that, the chiefs uh you know like i said perennially among the favorites losing Tyreek hill to the dolphins uh Matthew, uh, T- 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 Matthew departs for the saints i, I believe they lost, they lost to the defensive end of the dolphins this week as well right Is that yes. correct
0: yep they did so uh, yep
2: so yeah so they slipped back they're now like the fifth or sixth choice on the super bowl odds board the bills are the are the kind of the flavor of the of the week if you will but they're behind the bills the bucks the rams the packers they're tied with the packers i should say tied with the packers and niners but Fourth or fifth choice, which, again, over these last few years, that's territory they have not been occupying. And furthermore, at the Super Bowl, Casey Degnan told me, we are a winner to the Chiefs in our futures book. He said they're still top ten in terms of ticket count, but they're not up the ladder in terms of money, which is unusual for for such a, a team that's become such a public team and has such an incredible quarterback.
0: Talk to me a little bit about the Packers. Uh, they they do lose <laughs> Devontae Adams, and that's that's a, a yep. pretty significant chunk taken away from them. Um, yet, yet, uh, just looking at ESPN's uh, power rankings uh, that they put out earlier this week, I know they do things a little bit differently uh, than than you guys, but they have them number two, and I would imagine they're on a pretty attractive um, from the from the uh, win projections as well.
2: Why? Oh, I think so. I, I, they're, they're. Well, first off, the Packers are very much a public team. Yes, they lose Devontae Adams, but they still have Aaron Rodgers, and if you've got a franchise quarterback, that's that's. Uh, granted, he's fallen short in the playoffs the last two years. That team was set up to go to back-to-back Super Bowls and didn't go to either one. So that's, you know, it, it, it's frustrating, but the guy piles up regular season wins. So it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to do it at that pace without having Devontae Adams in the mix. That's certainly going to make a difference. Now, that said, the, the Packers are still they're tied with the, the Chiefs who we just talked about and the 49ers at 12-1. to They're the fourth choice on the odd board. To win the Super Bowl, they're trailing the, the Bills, the Bucks, and the Rams. That's it. And then you got the Packers, even with the loss of Devontae Adams. So there's certainly some love there for them. But uh, I do kind of, I kind of think they that if you if you like the Packers, you know, if you feel like that's a Super Bowl team. And again, I know it's a Raiders show, so we're we're off the path a little here. But maybe wait and see whether or not Aaron Rodgers can do the things that people thought he could do. Without Devontae Adams, because if you wait and let's say they get out of the gate 0-3 and it's just taking them some time to get it together, their odds will slip back. It'll be a much better bet because the payout will be much better because you know Aaron Rodgers is probably going to come around at some point. That's that's where I think I'm at on them and where the odds makers are at on them is sort of a uh, they still have a lot of faith and obviously it's because the betters have a lot of
0: faith in Aaron Rodgers. Very sound advice, Patrick Everson. I'm going to take you in an entirely different direction in just one sure. second. Uh, but uh, uh, more pertinently and uh, with a little bit more uh, immediacy, talk me in or out of rolling with the Mavericks in, their, in Game 2 of the Western Conference. I uh-huh, have a sneaky boy. feeling they're going to bounce back, uh, and maybe it's also because I think the Warriors have been erratic a little bit uh, from game to game. Uh, talk me in and out, uh, in or out of, of rolling with the Mavericks.
2: Wow. That's a that was an, uh, that that's one I didn't expect, but it's one I can <laughs> help with. Here's the thing, I'm boy, especially since they they you know part of it may have been emotion coming off yep. the 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 series win, and they just they had a letdown in game one. They they clearly got I mean they got run. Yes, let's just there's no other there's no nice way to put it. They got run. So I guess here's what I think. I think they're going to come back and play better. I think if you take them, take them against the spread, I'm just not sure they can win at Golden State. I think where I really like them is if they lose game two, I love them in game three. Okay. (laughs) Absolutely love them to win game three outright, no no matter what the spread is. I don't think they'll be favored. They'll probably be like one or two-point underdogs. I'd take the line to win the game because I love them to win when they get back to Dallas. I think Doncic is super talented, and and he's just – He's found a way to put, you know, he put that team on his back for the most part. There's a couple of other good players there, but you're not talking about the same lineup as the Warriors, and that's what I think is just going to be tough to overcome when you're talking trying to get four wins. But I think there's pockets in that series, um, you know, it, it, you know, game spots. Spot bets, basically, I guess is a good way to say it. Spots right. where Dallas would be to play. And if they lose game two, I love them in game three. All right. I love
0: that. Okay, I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, the last question I have for you, you know, this is a very big picture type of a question. But, um, you know, in light of Nick Saban coming out, saying what he what he <laughs> said, uh, Jimbo Fisher, you know, with his uh, retort, retort, um, it got a little ugly, uh, no doubt about it. But the NIL phenomena, okay, um, I would imagine that at some point you guys have to keep, you know, or consider that, uh, make it a consideration when you're looking at this whole thing with college football. And I just got to ask you from, uh, from you guys, from your perspective, is this, gonna ch- is this a game changer? Do you think the NIL is going to change things, um, I- including odds and, and that sort of stuff, uh, before long or has it ar- already
2: well, I don't know if it'll impact odds per se. It will impact how good teams are. Uh, you know, how, these these teams that tend to can, that can that handle the atmosphere of name and likeness, if you will. Right. The teams that handle it best, and where players think, "Hey, if I am in this situation, I will be able to maximize my name and likeness prospects." That's how it could impact it. Just in how good or bad. Teams
0: are, and do
2: you, you think know, it? Do not, you
0: think it levels? It has a chance to level the playing field a little bit.
2: I don't know. I ha, I think it has a chance to work. My, now, this is my opinion. I right. don't, I haven't studied this a lot, and I haven't certainly haven't thought about it from an I I should say certainly, but I haven't thought about it from an odds perspective. Other than what I just described to you, that's where I could see it. Right. You know, teams are just going to be better. They're going to be favored by more. They're going to have the better players mm-hmm. because they got the they got the more visible program. The players want to be there so they can capitalize on the visibility with name and likeness revenue. Yeah. But I have a, I, my concern, and I'm not saying players shouldn't be able to do this because I think if you have a skill or a platform or what have you, this is America. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's built on, 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 on the free market. You should be able to capitalize on your skills, your talents, your platform, as long as it's within the bounds of the law. I think you should be able to make as much money as you can. I don't have an issue with it, but I do think that it could tilt. I could. I. I, I don't know that it'll level the playing field. I think it could unlevel the playing field further, which would be. Difficult. I don't want people to not get what they deserve. I just. I do have a concern that it. It could. It could mess up the. Uh. Uh. You know, tilt it further, make it a little less uh on a uneven uh, instead of uh, kind of leveling the table. I now, maybe I'll be wrong.
0: The rich getting richer. It could be. Okay, gotcha. Uh Patrick Everson, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the hull. Truly appreciate it as always. We'll catch up to you really, really soon. Thank you so much, man.
2: Sounds good. I'll give you one more quick Jim. Raiders have gone from forty to one to thirty to one to win the Super Bowl at the Super Bowl. There okay. you go. You guys heard it. You heard it, it here short. first.
0: Appreciate it, man. All right. You bet. All right. Thank you very much. Before we get out of here just want, uh, for, uh, for the break, just want to let you guys know that there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. The Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how to live as pain-free a life as possible. Please call them 702-257-7246. We all deserve to live as pain-free a life as possible. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahador. Interact with the show, text Vinny at 69187, or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It's definitely an interesting question, Damon Cotton. Before we get to that, and I want to uh, talk about it actually... You know, it's your time to buy or sell a home and Realty One Group wants to be the ones to be part of your story. Yes, the housing market's hectic, but it's still a great time to sell and even buy the home of your dreams. To do so, you'll need a hardworking real estate professional to get it done. And Realty One Group has got you covered. They know the market. They know the neighborhoods. They know all the transactions that need to happen. And they know that they can get it done for you. Realty One Group was founded in Las Vegas and it's been their home for more than 11 years They've been opening doors for their clients and opening doors for real estate professionals to live better lives. They've also been proud to give back to their community, donating their time and resources to make an impact. Whether you are selling or buying a home, call them today at 888-461-0101. Devon and I, uh, during the break, have been having a discussion about the NIL uh, impact in college football. And I guess my point was I don't expect, like, you know, Middle Tennessee State to all of a sudden jump up and be a major player in things. But I think when when we look at um, the college football playoffs, since it's gone to the four teams, Demon who would you say have dominated the scene?
1: Alabama, Clemson, right. and Georgia.
0: And Ohio State's been up there, too. The, oh,
1: they the, did. They did win one. I, for, I forgot. Yeah, about and it. they've I'm, been
0: there pretty consistently. So they're the four kind of what do you call um, constants? They've been the four constants. And and really, when we think about the four team playoff, it hasn't been that long. It's just really been what ten years or so. I I don't, I don't know the exact less than ten years. Less than ten but, years. But, but about there. Yeah, and before that, like like it felt to me like especially Alabama. They caught lightning. Uh, in a bottle because they were the top dog when this happened. And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, they're in every playoff game and in every playoff basically in the national championship game multiple, multiple times. And every kid wanted to be on that stage. That was the carrot that got them to Alabama. And then Clemson and Ohio State, kind of the same thing. All right, so let's just say on average all of those schools were getting 5-5 five five stars every year in the recruiting class and when you talk about the five stars generally speaking we're talking about game changers guys that are altering games and when you watch Alabama in national championship games when you watch Clemson in national championship games when they're winning what are they doing it with they're obviously they have superior talent but they also just have like electrifying game changing wide receivers or running backs or quarterbacks all right let's my premise is this let's say um, instead of all those schools getting the five-star, five five-stars five each year or six five-star players uh, every year, you're reducing that number by three because another school, let's say Mississippi or Texas or Texas A&M or whoever, uh, is offering more in NIL money to to lure some of those difference-making players to their school. You're diluting the rosters, chipping away at the rosters of Alabama and Clemson and, and Ohio State and bringing them a little bit closer to the pack and giving more teams, I think, an opportunity to penetrate that four-team playoff every year. I, I think that there's an opportunity to to broaden uh, the pool of candidates that are going to make the playoffs every year if schools handle the NIL right. Because if you're a kid, and this is my, th- here's what I'll ask you. If you're a recruit, all right, and and you're a five-star recruit, everybody's offering you, you're pretty much headed to the NFL, it looks like, all right? And Alabama comes knocking without the NIL money. That's the place to go, right? You want to go to Alabama, play on the national stage, be in the playoffs, win you know championship games, maybe win a Heisman Trophy. But if somebody else is offering you more
1: money at that point, what you know what I'm saying? Don't you go for the more money to get? Um, I'll answer this more. We'll get into yeah. this more on the other side. But also, let's not act like money hasn't been in college football before. In but NIL. not like
0: this though. Like where it's what? out in the million. We're talking millions of dollars now. We're talking millions, millions of dollars on. right now. What's that? Not like this. And not and, and not where everybody can get involved. I think if you just look at free agency in any sport, you'll understand that people generally go, Who's giving me the most money? That's where I'm gonna go. And uh, it's been historically proven, but I wanna see if it's gonna happen in, in, in college football. You're in the huddle with Vinny You're brought to you by Tequila and Radio Nation Radio, nine twenty AM on a Thursday.